Alright, motherfucker. I'm trying to eat this because I'm hungry. I'm trying to eat this because I'm hungry, but I did start recording. <laughs> We're just... Here, making all this fucking noise. Hey, it's so much. <laughs> yeah. Here's your cereal and chips episode. <laughs> oh my god, it's so noisy looking. <laughs> Weekly. I like the implication that we're gonna leave that all as the cold open. <laughs> that was a full minute of cereal cold, o- cold, cold open. There's cereal in my mouth. The epicenter <laughs> of murder, mystery, and cereal. <laughs> I love when we change the last word. <laughs> murder, mystery, divorce. My favorite. <laughs> Good one there. Mm-hmm. Welcome back, guys. To another episode of Gumshoe Weekly. Another titillating episode. My name is Jonah Hill. <laughs> and my name is Brianna Hill. Hill. From Hank. From Hank. <laughs> From King of the Hill. From Hank Hill. From Hank Hill. I'm Brianna Hill of the Hanks. <laughs> Um, do you have a question? Do you have a question? What meal is your favorite, breakfast, lunch, or dinner? Dinner. My sister's a really good cook, and that is the one that she cooks a lot, is dinner. And I really respect a good dinner. (laughs) Um, for me, I guess it depends. If we're going out... I really like breakfast or lunch. I don't really make, I like a good sandwich for lunch, but only like if my mom makes it. <laughs> if we're doing dinner, I prefer to eat at home. Really? If my mom makes it. <laughs> my mom is a really good cook. <laughs> Your mom doesn't live here. I know, it makes me sad. <laughs> Why do we always go out for dinner then? That's not your preferred <laughs> meal. Because that's the only time we're all free. <laughs> and by all, I mean me and you because we have no other friends. Well, you have other friends, but All two of us. <laughs> <laughs> to diversify your portfolio, I'm going to start inviting random friends to our plans. That'll be fun because then I, maybe I'll make some friends. Just one loose friend and I'll never tell you which. And sometimes it'll go terribly. Oh, that's fun. And I'm into that. I'm going to revisit an old one. Mm. If you could die in any kind of way, what way would you like to die? In my sleep. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Sorry, it's not very it's You're not really. going to do like a Futurama getting, I want to get hit by a semi-truck driven by the Hulk? No. Oh. I don't want to feel it. I don't want to know that I've died. Oh. <laughs> Sorry. It's not very... Hey, remember when I said I like to run away from my problems? (laughs) This is that. (laughs) No, thank you. (laughs) I want to be staring dead into the eyes of someone as I die. No. Isn't that fun? (laughs) No, because... Doesn't have to be my killer. Okay, fair enough. But I feel like then you're traumatizing whoever that person is. (laughs) Unless they're my killer. 
And then and in that good. case, then they might like it. Unless it's someone who's That's dying like storefront. I did last night and I say something about how I wanted to die by running into a fire. Okay, so for context, we were playing Little Hope last night. Okay, don't know what that is. Okay, it's a game, a video game, and there's a point in, this is a spoiler, but not really, because it's very early in the six hour <laughs> long game. There's a point where this kid's family is dying in a fire, and he couldn't save them, and this guy walks up, and he's like, oh my god, what happened, what happened? And the kid looks down at his hand, and he's still holding the matches in his hand from when he lit the stove on fire, because this was in the olden times. Mm-hmm. When people did that. Mm-hmm. And he... Yeah, I don't have to do that. No, only the <laughs> olden times people have to do that. That's the point. And so he's looking down no, at No, I them. do have to do that. I know. <laughs> I know. This is the leg situation all over again. <laughs> it is. It is. It is. Um, so, anyways, oh my god, I edited the episode the other day where you talk about how you don't put a towel in your bathroom for people to try their hands on, and I was just like... <laughs> How am I friends with her? She's <laughs> disgusting. Anyways. I have a roll of paper towels in there. That's bad for the environment. And you might as well be like, I like to wipe my ass with paper towels. That's what it so, looks like. Okay. Answer this question real quick, though. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. That, you, you're at a party. Mm-hmm. Six people have already touched that paper. That wipe, right? Uh-huh. Now it's wet. What's the point of that? Okay, think about it like this. So you have that paper towel roll. Mm-hmm. Is it on a stand? No. It's just loose there. Uh-huh. So how do people stabilize a paper towel roll? Nope. By sticking their wet hand in the hole and pulling <laughs> it out. So now you're touching <laughs> damp, wet cardboard with your dirty, wet hands. But your hands are eventually going to get... Clean. Your hands are going to dry soon. Yeah, but I'm just With saying. With that wet So you're paper. putting. Okay, but then think about all the people who just like wet their hands so it looks like they washed them. Who's doing that? What? You know you what know some dirty boys do that do, do that. that. What? That's disgusting. I don't want to know those people You then. never saw the South Park episode where they talked about how nobody washes their hands after they go to the bathroom because they're like, oh, it touches my dick and my dick is clean. That's and they're like, sometimes I'll stand there and run the sink. So it looks like I wash my hands, and then I walk away with dry hands. Or they're like, sometimes I just flick water on my fingers, and then I just flick it off, and my hands are clean. I hate that. Yeah. Now I have to ask every man I know if they want Do you hands. use soap Do you and wash water? Hands? If they ask when, I'm going to punch them in the face. <laughs> Do you wash them? Um, every morning when I wake up, I wash them one time for the day. <laughs> Not before I go to bed, though. I seal my germs. I hate this. Uh, What were we fucking saying? I have no idea what we were talking about, except for to judge you and your paper towels. No. No judging. (laughs) Okay. I don't like... It's even worse when you go to somebody's house or anywhere and there's nothing to dry your hands with. Yeah, no. I hate that. Um, yeah, I don't like it when it looks like two used bath towels hanging there, and I'm like, you use this on your ass. (laughs) Now I've wiped my hands with your asshole. (laughs) I have officially just almost fingered you, if you think about it. (laughs) If you think of the way. (laughs) But the real question is, what was your original question? No one knows is the issue. 
Oh, how would you die if you wanted to? <laughs> we talked about your sanitation. <laughs> um. Anyways, in the fucking game, he sees the matches in his hand, and the guy goes from going, what happened, to what have you done? Mm-hmm. This random man. And then for some reason, the guy goes, I should, the kid goes, I should run in this house after my family. And he runs in the burnt down house where his family is dead. And you see a beam fall on his dad. His dad is burning alive in this fire, and a beam falls on him, and he just straight dies, and his hand is, like, over here like this. Like a weird family. Anyways, I said, that's how I want to go. No, thank you. So that's how I want to go. Nope. Still in my sleep. Any questions? (laughs) No, I think we're good here. (laughs) No, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. (laughs) Run away from my problems, run away from death. No follow-ups. Nope. (laughs) I have nothing else. (laughs) Nope, I'm good. Okay. Do you want to, like, slap your hands a little bit? Yeah. <laughs> Put some liquid in my hands. Ew. <laughs> I do that at work sometimes. You're a terrible Rock, person. <laughs> I do it with soap, hand soap, and I'm always like, what does this sound like? But it's with soap in there, so it doesn't sound dry. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot! Paper. Scissors. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot! Scissors. Rock. Brianna just cheated. I watched her <laughs> pull her hand up to do something and then put it back in and then go, rock. <laughs> we could do that one over if that you'd like. That one doesn't count because you're a dirty little cheater. <laughs> you're a cheater, cheater, pumpkin eater. Okay. Rock, paper, scissors, shoot, scissor. Paper. Ah. I win and I want you to go first. You're a terrible person. You little butthole. This is not the right story. Our story begins on a Sunday morning in Boston in June 1996. We didn't do an audio check, so I don't know if I'm far away. I don't know. It looks like you maybe were far away that whole time. Yeah. Um... June 1996, a man was rummaging through a dumpster in Boston, Massachusetts, and the dumpster belonged to an apartment complex in the Fenway area at 1091 Boston Street. Boston? Boy, I said that wrong, probably. B-O-Y-L-S-T-O-N. Boylston. I, it's probably Boylston, but I love Boston. (laughs) Ballstrange Street. Anyway, I gotta go. (laughs) (laughs) I I gotta leave. I gotta leave. Um, He was looking for bottles and other recyclables when he ripped open a trash bag and he was stunned to find a human arm fall out. He immediately called the police. Just an arm? We'll get there. Okay, sorry. (laughs) With police on the scene, the dumpster was investigated further and they found the dismembered upper body of a woman. There were marks on her neck that told medical examiners it was strangulation from a rope that killed her. Her face was also cleaned of any makeup, and her bottom half was not inside the dumpster with her, so the police were not able to tell if she had been sexually assaulted. Oh. Her body had been cut in such a way that the on- that only her spine had to be cut to remove the bottom. They just did a s- clean cut. Clean? It was clean enough that they didn't have to cut through any more bone. They cut straight through that. The only thing that they really had to cut was her spine to remove the bottom half. So pretty much exactly in the middle of her torso, below her ribs, and above her pelvis. And most likely done with a saw, and there was no sign of a struggle. 
Um, police put on the news the discovery of the woman in the dumpster and got a call from Frank Rapp and Susan Nitcher about their 20-year-old au pair, Karina Homer, who had gone out Thursday night and still hasn't come home. Still hadn't come home. And still hadn't come home. And still hadn't come home. Did not come home. (laughs) She was not home. So those of you who don't know what an au pair is, it's usually a young person, typically between 18 and 30 years old, most, mostly women um, who go abroad to live with a family to learn the language and experience the native family's country in exchange for providing childcare. So almost like a nanny cultural exchange program. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what that was, so I had to look it up. <laughs> Leola did that one time in Australia. That's fun. Mm-hmm. Did she have fun? Yeah, she loved it. Um, when they called her friends in similar, so they called, they got in contact with her friends that were in a similar program and they said that she had not returned to their loft where they were staying, where they usually met up. Excuse me. They learned Karina Homer grew up in skill. Didn't look up the fucking pronunciation. Fuck me. So you were me for the entire last episode. (laughs) The Skillingard. Skillingard. I'm going to say Skillingard. Um, she grew up in Skillingard, a small town in Sweden with her parents. She loved animals, wanted to travel, and was a good student. Her chance to experience her dreams came true when in 1996 she won, uh, $15,000 on a lottery ticket. She used the money to contact an au pair, uh, it's au pair, right? Mm-hmm. An au pair agency to be placed in the U.S. for a few months. She boarded a plane to Boston in March of 1996. So, Karina was placed uh, instantly with Frank Rapp, a commercial photographer, and Susan Nitcher, a successful painter and professor at the local university. The couple lived in upscale Dover, Massachusetts area. Karina took care of the couple's two children and did housework during the week. Um, And then during the weekends, when Frank would return home from the loft he worked in and owned in South Boston during the week, Karina would leave for the weekend and stay in the empty loft. Mm -hmm. That was a mouthful. Um, this allowed her to explore the city and give her the freedom to party with other au pair friends that she met. So with Karina now identified, the police decided to trace her steps starting the night of June 23rd, 1996. Karina planned, uh, to go out with friends to celebrate Sweden's biggest holiday, the summer solstice. Mm -hmm. And Karina's friends met up with her at Frank's loft, which was, uh, what they normally did because the loft was so close to bars and clubs. And once together, they went to the Zanzibar nightclub at Boylston's place, uh, which was a tucked away alley in the theater district. Um, Karina's body was found 1.3 miles away, straight up Boylston's place. Hmm. Zanzibar was popular with au pairs and people visiting from Europe. The night began smoothly and they got into the club using fake IDs, easily passing for 21. Once inside, the group quickly got into the swing of things, laughing, chatting it up, and drinking without a care in the world, celebrating the Swedish summer solstice. I really like that word. Solstice? Solstice. I love solstice. Reminds me of witches. Mm Mm-hmm. I know it's in a funny movie because they just keep saying solstice. (laughs) I don't know what it is, but it's going to come to me. It'll come to you. Mm -hmm. In the middle of the night when my anxiety wakes me up. When your anxiety is like, you can't keep running, bitch. <laughs> then it's going to whisper in my ear, solstice. <laughs> solstice. 
So at this point, Karina's movements became blurred. There were so many conflicting stories about where she, whether she left the club with anyone and if she did it willingly or not because she was seen so much throughout the night. One witness said they saw her bouncing around the alleyway outside the bar. One witness said that they saw her passed out on the floor in the women's bathroom. Another witness said that they saw her leaving the club with an older man. And apparently a man from the group Karina came to the nightclub with on the night of her murder informed investigators that he was threatened by two men outside the nightclub as he tried to get Karina home. He said that Karina was sitting inside a car with two men in the early morning hours. He leaned into the car and said, let's go, you came with us. He told investigators that one of the men replied with, get away from the car, you little bitch, or I'll crush your fucking head. Oh, God. That's a devastating statement. Yeah. Um, So at one point, she did lose contact with the party she came with, even leaving the club around 3 a.m. to go get some air, but wasn't able to get back into the club due to the club closing soon and not letting people back in. Mm. Police were able to get CCTV from the nightclub, and the footage potentially showed Karina's departure. There was a grainy image of someone who looked like Karina speaking to a man estimated to be in his 40s who had a white dog with him. The footage suggested that the man may have offered Karina a ride home, and he would be identified as Herbert Witten, who denied any involvement in Karina's murder. Um, Herbert was well known in the area, and he often dressed himself and his dog up in a Superman costume and spoke to patrons outside the bar. Superman costume. Yeah. Herb did have an alibi that ended up clearing him, though, and he had been pulled over later that, that same night and got a speeding ticket. With the time and ticket, with the time of the ticket and the location of the bar, there was no way for him to murder Karina, dismember, and dispose of her body in a timely manner. So with no crime scene, the police were at a standstill on the investigation because she was murdered somewhere and then brought to the dumpster. Police at one point were suspicious of Frank and Susan because close to the time she was murdered, Karina had wrote a letter to her friend back home about something terrible that had happened, but she didn't go into more details, instead uh, promising to go into more details when she got back home. Uh, I hate when they do that. Yeah. She also told her sister, Johanna, that she wanted to cut her time in the U.S. short, and she disliked the housework and childcare tasks um, that she had to do as part of the job. Uh, Frank and Susan said that they never knew that anything was off with Karina. She never made her feelings known to them. And the police searched the couple's home in Dover and the dumpster, which was shared with neighbors. Apparently, the dumpster went up in flames the day after Karina went missing, according to the neighbors. Wow. They did take ash samples from the dumpster and sent it to be tested, but no traces, no traces, no trace remains or blood were found. And Karina was also dating a police officer at the time, but his alibi checked out um, that he was away on vacation. The, ca- the, ca- the case went cold, and still to this day, Karina's bottom half has never been found. And a lot of people believe it was a cover-up for sexual assault of pregnancy. Ooh. Yeah, so um, they, there's a lot of theories about Frank and his wife, Susan, that they were doing, like, weird shit with her. Because Susan is a painter, and she has, like, a lot of paintings that were um, kind of, like, showing very weird images of, like, people laying together or, like, people killing people. 
So, um, since then, her website has been taken down, though. Um, but a lot of the things kind of pointed to them as being super suspicious. But, like I said, it, it went, the case went cold. Nobody's ever found the other half of her body. And I feel like you have to be pretty skilled to cut through somebody and yeah. not have to really hit anything. Yeah, except you have to the know spine. what you're doing, I think. It's very much like a um, Black Dahlia kind of situation. Yeah. So that's the story of Karina Homer, the wow. au pair student. <laughs> very interesting. Yeah. I think I recognize it. That one, yeah, that one's pretty known. I like it, though. I think. I don't know. I like it. Are you reading anything good right now? I... Or have you read anything good lately? Actually, I'm in the middle, as you know, of four books, but on my lunch breaks. Well, the thing is, I was really involved in The Passenger, mm-hmm. and I can't find it. Didn't you find it the other day? Did I? Yeah. Where is it? It was in your car. Uh, I looked in my car for it, too, like two days or it's ago, in here and I can't somewhere. find it. No, I think it's in here. Ugh, bitch. Well, I've been reading Lock Every Door by Riley Sager, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, which she wrote The Final Girls and I really like that book mm-hmm. um, but I haven't gotten super deep in it but I'm already intrigued and basically the premise of the book it's a psychological thriller don't worry mm-hmm. don't worry um, but the premise of the book is that it's this kind of down on her luck woman she's in her early 20s and she just lost her fiance and her Apartment because she lived with her fiance in an apartment in an apartment and he was cheating on her in the apartment that they lived in while they were engaged. So she takes all her shit, goes to live on her friend's house couch and she responds to a very, she also had lost her job that day. So she came home early, found him cheating on her. It was a whole thing. Oh, fuck that. Yeah. So she... Answers an ad, a very, like, not detailed ad in the newspaper. It's super vague. And it's for a um, house, it's a house-sitting job. And they were like, we want to interview you. So, she calls. They go, yeah, come in for an interview. Mm-hmm. However, the building that they she shows up at, she's like, this has to be the wrong address. Mm-hmm. Because it's this huge, monumental... Um, Super exclusive, super mysterious murder building. House. Uh-huh. <laughs> huh? Murder house. Uh-huh. Well, it's this really big, like, and prestigious building that people write books about. And they're just like, yeah, what goes on in there? Because they don't let anyone in except for the people who live there. There's, like, the gargoyles and shit all on top of it. Mm-hmm. Anyways, so the implication is that there's some sort of curse on the house. But she agrees to live there because they're like, yeah, we're going to pay you, like... $20,000 to live here for three months. Wow. And she was like, what do I need to do, though? And they were like, just keep it kind of clean. Like, you just need to live here. We need the rooms to be occupied, and you need to not speak to anybody who lives here. So. Okay. Yeah. Anyways, so I imagine that people are getting murdered left and right. Haven't gotten to there yet, but it kind of reminds really me. Good. It reminds me of that when Peter Swanson book where she switches apartments Don't with her Don't tell cousin. me. I haven't read that one yet. You haven't read that one yet? No. I have it, but I haven't read it yet. That I one bought is it. Upsetting. Oh, Deep. don't tell me then. <laughs> it's such a good book. It's so upsetting. Don't tell me. 
You have to read it. I am. I'm Is he coming out with a new book soon or not? I haven't looked. The last one he came out with was Before She Knew Him, which was like oh. one of his worst. <laughs> I saw. I liked that one a lot. It was good, but it wasn't like his other ones at all. I liked the Riley. Riley's. I mean, what? Riley Sager's coming out with another new book. I wonder if he has an Instagram. Um, I have The Final Girls. That one's also on my list. That one is so good. Read it right now. Right now, I am reading something called Dominicana, which is like, a, I don't have my purse on me, um, which is about like an immigrant girl who comes from, from, uh, he does have an Instagram, uh, <laughs> who comes from fucking the Dominican Republic. Uh, she's like 15. She marries this 30 something year old dude. That's as far as I've gone, but she's pretty much, he pretty much fed By her. choice? Yeah, like her parents were like pushing for her. Her mom was pushing for her to get married, um, because they lived they lived poor. They didn't have money. They had all these people they had to support, and it's pretty much like a like a immigration story. And she's like, I don't love this dude. He's terrible. Like he fed me all these dreams, mm-hmm. and she didn't want to marry him from the beginning. But it was you know it was the like I gotta get I gotta do this for my family kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So that's as far as I got. There's supposed to be like some sort of love triangle in the, the book, but it's um it was in Good Morning America's one of one of their lists. So it sounds really good. I'm reading that. I started Midnight Sun, which is the Twilight book. Mm-hmm. I read all the Twilight books. Mm. They're still good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> as an adult, they are still good. They're written. They're good books. I'm not gonna lie about Subjective. it. Um, but. I I switched teams. I'm no longer Team Edward. I'm now Team Jacob. <laughs> As an adult, is I think... he even consequent? What is the premise of Midnight Sun? Can you tell me? The Midnight Sun is basically um the beginning. The I think it's the first, like the books from his point of view. From who? From Edward's point of view. It's him, because in the books it's from Bella's point of view instead of. Well, so it's all you're getting is her. So they're just doing a Fifty Shades of Grey thing. Yeah, kind of. But you always want to, when you're into those kinds of books, you always want to know what the other person is thinking. So the fact that he can't read Bella's mind because he has mind reading powers. Mm-hmm. You're now seeing like that kind of unfolding. Do they ever answer why? Because she has a superpower. She has, so when you become a vampire, you now, this weird quirk about you um, from when you were human is now f- in full bloom because you're a vampire. So, like, Jasper, it was, he can, like, he can adjust emotions in the room that he's in. Let me tell you right now, I did read some fan fiction of Twilight. (laughs) Never read Twilight. Read some fan fiction, so I do know their powers. Except for, I don't remember Rosalie or Emmett's. They don't have powers. What the fuck? Only Alice and Jasper and Edward have powers, and Bella. What's Edward's? He can read minds. Oh, shit. (laughs) <laughs> and Alice can see the future. Yeah, except for Bella's, right? She can't read um, uh, Bella's kid and Jacob because they're half humans. They have like some weird thing that she can't read. She they're like a blind spot for her. Half humans. Mm-hmm. But she can see humans' futures. Can she see vampires' futures? Yes. I don't remember why they can't see that. I don't know why. It's it's like they're like a weird blind spot. So. <laughs> so what could em- okay no you need to explain to me though how did they have this power before they were vampires what was jasper's power before he was a vampire 
he was really good at influencing people. So he was very, very charming. He was an influencer, he was an influencer on Instagram. <laughs> he had he a GoFundMe. <laughs> he had an OnlyFans. Anyway. <laughs> he was like, you want to see me clap these cheeks? Exactly. In my weird... Anyway, yeah. <laughs> so the sister, his girlfriend, Alice. his sister, Alice, mm-hmm. what was her power when she was a human? Nobody knows where Alice came from. She doesn't have a past, really. But in the first book, um, when they meet fucking James, he's like, oh, I remember you. You're uh, this doctor that I knew when in fucking the olden times. He saved you from because all she sees is black. She has no memories. She just remembers becoming a vampire Mm -hmm. because they say that the pain is so intense that that's the only thing you remember as a human from being a human. So pretty much it was that. But um they end up doing research on her, and it turns out that she had some sort of powers when she was a human where she can predict things, and people were like, witch! <laughs> so they put oh, her in a mental... Old, ho- old? They're all old, old. <laughs> um, Edward was dying from the Spanish flu. Ed, uh, fucking Carlisle, Carlisle was, like, way before them. So they're all really fucking old. <laughs> it's just weird that Carlisle was like, what if I just fuck around and build a family of teenagers? Yeah. That's weird. <laughs> no, everybody he saved, he saved for a reason. The only people he didn't save was Alice and Jasper. Alice had a vision and went to the family. She found them. She she sought them out. She was already a vampire? Yeah. She met ja- She was like, I've been waiting for you. She saw Jasper come into this bar. She was like, I've been waiting for you. You're taking forever. And then they linked up. And then they went and, found, and sought out Carlisle, who already had Esme and Edward. It's a whole thing. It's a really good book. It's weird. <laughs> um, I liked to read fan fiction about it. Why don't you read the actual books? They're good. Because I only like to read the gay fan fiction, obviously. Uh, I don't know what to say either. I don't <laughs> fuck about Bella. I like the ones where they were like, Bella's just not a character. And they the never way wrote that, her in. They said that the way that Stephanie Meyer wrote Bella is so that any generic teenager can just read it and see herself in that role. Yeah, that's how a that's lot of people write. Yeah. Every teenager is generic in teen books. Yeah, but not... Some of them, they're like, oh, she has green eyes that fucking shine in the light. When it's like, Bella has brown hair, brown eyes. So what does Bella's superpower become? Her superpower is that she can... uh, She has a shield, pretty much. And when she learns how to use her shield, so that, like, somebody who has powers... So, like, for instance, there's Jane. Jane has powers that if she looks at you, she makes you believe that you're in this like ridiculous amount of pain so she can shield herself pretty much she's like a shield so she can push jane is it's the bad guy one of the bad guys yeah she's (laughs) a henchman for the Tory. i feel like that you're getting uncomfortable with the fact that i don't understand a lot of the premises but that i know very specific things I just, I don't want to explain this if you don't care (laughs) what do i care if you don't care i care about some of it Oh my god. Anyway, she has a shield and she could pretty much protect herself from anybody who has powers with that affects her brain. So Edward has to read her thoughts, but he can't because she uses her shield. So she can push her shield out of her body and now protect a bunch of people with her mm-hmm. and mold it to like their bodies if they're... It's a whole thing. <laughs> That's her, her power. She can um, project a shield. It's a shield. Just that, that, just, it's in the name, The Shield. <laughs> oh, okay. 
Well, fuck with that. Yeah. Interesting. They're good books. <laughs> no, when I would, I would read it if they were gay. Um, no, you wouldn't, because you haven't even read Carry On. <laughs> um, I started it. Oh, um, but you didn't finish it. Yeah, I don't know where it is. <laughs> uh, well, then there you go. <laughs> you need to understand that every book that I read, if it doesn't live in one place, I can't fucking find it. <laughs> oh my god, I just don't know what to say. If it's, if that's how you know I'm reading it. If it's an active read, I have no fucking idea where it is, unless it's my workbook. I am reading, I have one book, I'm reading a psychology book too, called Good Morning Monster, um, about the psychologist and her five most successful cases. Ooh. It's pretty good so far. I love um, that she calls them monsters. It's, that one is about one of the stories in the book, it's about a little girl who, every morning she woke up, she had like the perfect life, but her mom pretty much hated her and just said, good morning monster, she called her a monster every morning. <laughs> oh. So, yeah, it's a bunch of different stories like that. Um, so I'm technically reading three books. Midnight Sun, Dominicana, and Good Morning Monster. I'm reading four. Carry on. Passenger. Lock every door. What's the fourth? I don't remember what the fourth one is. I, I finished my audiobook, so I was technically listening to one and reading three. Okay. Okay, are you ready for me to do talking now at mm-hmm. you? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going to tell you about something that will put a new level of fear to sleep paralysis, one of our favorite topics. <laughs> so in 1917... People across the world started to become lethargic and confused after having flu-like symptoms. This was followed by them falling into a sleep. Their bodies froze, but they were still conscious. They would stay in this state for days or even years. And people call them came to call them living statues. What the fuck? Their bodies could not be moved. It was Full-on sleep paralysis for days to years. But they were awake. They were conscious. Yes. Almost like a coma, like a coma patient, but awake and no. Yes. But you're like, the whole time, and it's like, you're going like this, and they're like. Uh, they just can't move their body. That's yeah. terrible. Or talk. Okay. So, this started an epidemic following World War One which was at the same time as the Spanish flu epidemic, um, which is why people uh, believe that it isn't as well-known because the Spanish flu took away more lives, So, mm-hmm. and it was a little bit more populated. So, <clears throat> 5 million people experienced high fever, sore throat, headache, lethar- lethargy, lethargy, double vision, delayed responses, sleep inversion, and catatonia. Some cases would have abnormal eye movements, um, Parkinson's symptoms, which would be like the... Shakes. Yeah, the twitching limbs, that kind of thing. Upper body weakness, muscle pain, neck rigidity, rigidity, rigidity. Holy shit, that fucked up my stutter really bad. Neck virginity? Rigidity. <laughs> Did I say it the right amount? <laughs> it felt For like me I to think you're saying virginity, yes. Rigidity. Vaginity. Rigid. Rigidity. Rigidity. (laughs) This, wait, vocal ties, and in even fewer cases, psychosis. Uh. Many of them 
would end up falling into a coma. So the initial outbreak, which isn't really the right word because I don't believe it to be contagious, happened in Vienna and other individual cities in the winter of 1916 to 1917. Hmm. Um, In the next three years, it spread worldwide, and within 10 years, the 5 million I mentioned were overtaken by it. I'm sorry, what was this called again? Living Statues. Um, I get into the actual name of it in a minute. Oh, sorry. Okay. God, just wait. Sabrina had... One third of the infected died. 20% of them survived, but were dependent on professional care. And less than one third made full recoveries. Most vulnerable were people between 15 and 35 years. And the majority of the survivors developed neurological or psychiatric disorders, not immediately, but eventually. Um, Nearly half of them were unable to physically interact with the world while fully aware of what was happening. And occasionally, they were capable of limited speech, eye motion, and laughter, but would remain as living statues. How sad. Like, they would lay there for, like, or sit there for, like, Two months, and then all of a sudden they're like, <laughs> and you're like, fucking, fucking scary. But that's all they would do. Yeah, and go or back they to would, being a statue, or they would have like eye motion. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes they could say a few words. Mm-hmm. That was pretty much it, though. So the the cause has never been definitively determined, but it has been attributed attributed. To autoimmune response to streptococcus, which is strep throat infection, or in relation to an immune response from an infectious disease. Mm. Um, Constantine von Economo connected it to brain damage found in the deceased patients, calling it a encephalitis lethargica and Jean-René Crocodile. Crochet called it subacute encephalomyelitis. Lightis. Yeah. Um, Sachs described the illness pretty aptly, saying they would be conscious and aware, yet not fully awake. They would sit motionless and speechless all day in their chairs, totally lacking energy, impetus, initiative, motive, appetite, effect, or desire. They registered what went on about them without active attention and with profound indifference. They neither conveyed nor felt the feeling of life. They were as insubstantial as ghosts and as passive as zombies. They also then dubbed it the sleeping sickness. Oh. Overall, it is believed to start with flu-like symptoms, after which it attacks your brain, and then you get the Parkinson-like symptoms, which then become living statue Jesus Christ yes the epidemic raged for 10 years and in 1927 it disappeared apropos of nothing it has sporadically reappeared but no epidemics have occurred since in 2010 a 12 year old girl had it in China for 5 weeks Becky Howells got it in 1993 and didn't recover for years Mm mhm but other than that, they haven't fully found out the cause. They don't fully have... There's treatment options, but they don't fully have a cure. Mm-hmm. 
With all this science? And they aren't sure why it just disappeared when it was a, 5 million people were affected and then mm-hmm. for 10 years and then all of a sudden it was gone. Mm-hmm. And so rare now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. That's you crazy. Know. You know. Um, I got my information from the vintagenews.com and Vintage Wikipedia. News. Interesting. Wikipedia. Dot com. Hmm. And that's on that. That was really good. Do you have an update? Yes, I do have an update, actually. <laughs> so, this is revisiting something we talked about in one of our first five episodes. Mm-hmm. I can tell you the episode title right now. <laughs> Don't will, you hold your breath now. This will take some time. Perfect. I have butts butt sprout. I had butt sprout open. <laughs> I just had my butthole spread open. <laughs> <laughs> butthole spread open. <laughs> wow, get me out of this fucking thing. I just love abs don't grow on trees. That's <laughs> title. Um, is it this one about alchemy? No. You know what we should do. Yes, it is. What? Go on, I'll say it later. Okay. So This is an update on one of our subjects from episode three, Alchemists Are Just Science Wizards. I don't know if you recall it. That's the episode where we talked about the Voynich Manuscript, the Incan Children, and Rupkin's Lake, which was the Skeleton Lake, which was my story. So just (laughs) so you guys know. That one's a good one. I like the Skeleton Lake. I dream of it sometimes. Anyways, so what I was going to tell you as an update to that. So just a refresher on what the Voynich Manuscript is. It's a indecipherable book which dates back to the 1400s. And it's 250 pages written in an unknown language that includes a lot of illustrations of flora. And the plants all don't seem to be any known species. So up until 2016, there, no one had, no, no one was able to crack the code of what it is. Oh man, I wish I knew what fucking, oh, I think this is from Reader's Digest, by the way, this little update. So, um, there was only one copy in existence. They did not have any reprints of it. So only, like, one person could work on it at a time. They also had to track it super closely. But in 2016, 900 copies of the manuscript were made available. So through crowdsourcing and, you know, like, Google detectiving, they believe that we will finally find out what it says pretty soon. Wow. They only made 900 copies? So you have to, like... But there was only one copy. Which is true. For... Literally, like, 700 years. (laughs) Wow. Yeah. Imagine they go and they fucking figure out how to win immortality or some shit like that. Yeah, you fucking, or you find the fountain of youth, or you go and... You eat this flower, and now you're... Yeah, it's the fucking mother... The Gothel, Mother Gothel. What is her fucking name? I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. Mother Knows Best. Oh. Rapunzel. Yeah. 
it's her flower that you sing to, and it makes you flower gleam and glow. <laughs> Let the spirits shine. Mm. Bring back what once was mine. What once was okay. mine. I don't want to pay for this. I realized halfway through. I was like, <laughs> I don't want to pay the copyright for this song. But I wasn't at a good part to stop. So mm. I had to go on. And that's why I did a little remix. Makes sense. That was a really good update. Thanks. Sweet. Let me say that if you'd like to find the pictures accompanying these films, you can find it on our Instagram and Twitter at... Gumshoe Weekly. Our Facebook at... Gumshoe Pod. And if you want to email us, it's at... Gumshoeweekly at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Wait, I have a specific request. Ooh. Please send me your favorite memes. Oh, yes. We love a meme. I want to know your favorite memes. I got some weird ones, and I got some good ones. She'll send some back to you. I'll send them. We can just have a meme thread. We can. It can be private. I'll just keep sending your memes. Exactly. All right. That's all I got. Bye. Okay. Bye.